All right, hey guys, welcome back to the Take Control podcast. Um, you have Dario here. Do y'all want to introduce yourselves? Hey guys, Brandy. Hello, it's Lynn. All right, so this past weekend, uh, anybody want to go first? Well, happy birthday. Yes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm so old. And I feel like since I'm like about to hit 30 that I'm starting to get bad knees. <laughs> oh. The body does start like breaking down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I feel old as, old as shit, honestly. But, you know, I'm um, happy to be alive. Happy to be here another year. Um, just trying to be grateful because I haven't been in the best best mood all week. But. It yeah, is be grateful. Is. Yeah. I had to, I went through that, I think, when my 29th or 28th birthday, I was just like, I don't want to celebrate, I don't want to do it, but it's like, you have to be yeah. just thankful, like, that you're here. Mm-hmm. That's in itself a blessing, so. That's true. Um, my son, my son gave me a gift, and then he went to his grandparents' house. I was like, damn, you just leaving all fast? <laughs> he was like, well, you said you ain't have nothing planned. <laughs> but it was cute. He got me a little card, and he gave me a dollar and a five, a five and below gift card. Oh, <laughs> that is so sweet. It was cute. That's so thoughtful. Um, But yeah, so um, I don't really have any shout-outs, but I guess I'll shout-out my friends just for showing up and being there for me and all their kind words um of course they made me cry uh (laughs) but yeah shout out to them and my family that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) i don't have any shout outs um nothing really took place over the weekend um other than some church stuff so yeah nothing my way Mm-hmm. I really didn't do much. Went out for um, Darielle's birthday. Um, got zombified. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. It's died. been a minute. Um, remember we used? To, I feel like we used to go to um, uh, China Phoenix. China Phoenix. That's what I was mentioning when we were growing <laughs> up. Because I was like, I haven't had a zombie since I was probably twenty one, and I had one yesterday. I was like, ooh, this is a, this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not what I remember. Then we went hookah. Then I went out to Avalon, which was cool. It has like a nice older vibe oh, i haven't yeah, been they since they re yeah, yeah they remodeled it yeah. and um it's so funny because i ben said shout out to was like make sure you shout me out so i'm gonna shout out ben ben orange yeah oh. <laughs> hey <laughs> so yeah all right so you can follow us on our social media um our instagram is take control podcast our twitter is take control pod um, you can join our Facebook group that is Take Control Podcast, and you can email us at takecontrolpodcast at gmail dot com. Um, self care tip. So my self care tip for the week is give yourself time to rest. I found a post on XO Nicole's Instagram, and it said, "Just an FYI, you can do what you love and still be tired. You can do what you love and still become burnt out. You can do what you love and still get excited about taking a break." Um, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I think that people have this whole idea that once you get into your dream career, dream job, that is something that you're going to want to do day in and day out. And that's true. But I think that you still can become tired and you still can become burnt out. And sometimes I feel like 
we don't give ourselves time to rest. We always have to do something. We always have to be on the move, always have to strive for something and growing and getting better. And sometimes you really just need sleep. And Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that in my 30s, I need sleep. Mm -hmm. I just, and I can't seem to catch up on it. So that's my self-care tip. Just give yourself time to rest. I like it. Have you always had that tattoo? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think because it's on the inside. You yeah. Know, yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, so for hashtag, I said what I said. Um, this didn't come from me, but it says, because I don't want to is a good reason enough. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Um, that really stuck out to me just because it was something I was going through personally where people always expect you to do something mm-hmm. and they get upset when you don't want to do it. But it's just like, I don't want to. I don't have to explain myself. I don't have to be uncomfortable just to make you comfortable. I, I'm i just not going to do it. Yeah. So I agree. I agree. I've been <laughs> exercising my right to say no. Yes. <laughs> yes, completely. It's hard, though, because sometimes you start to feel like for me, I feel bad sometimes Mm -hmm. and I tell people no or like I know that they're going through something and I'm just not willing to budge Mm -hmm. just to make them happy. But like now, because I've been going through something, too. That's exactly like. Yeah. So. All right. um, So the last time we recorded, um, we were talking about dealing with your emotions um and brandy was talking about how she's been super sensitive lately and sad about everything so we were just gonna touch on that again this week so yeah i went from literally crying about everything to not feeling anything at all and weird to say like that within itself was a feeling it was like me trying to process the emotion behind not having emotions I was going through something and I really didn't feel anything. And I'm like, it was almost to the point where it was like, make yourself feel something. Mm. And I'm like, what's wrong? Like something has to be wrong with me at this point. If I absolutely feel nothing about this situation. Um, And I don't know if it's me just shutting down or if I really, truly don't feel anything. Long story short, y'all, I'm really going to go to therapy. So I was talking to my friend last night and she gave me a recommendation for someone. So I'm going to look into it this week. Yes. That's good. That's exciting. I decided I want a male therapist. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Just because like her and I were talking and, I, and she gave me perspective and I agree to what she was saying. Like when it comes to like relationships and different things, which I'm sure that stuff will come up in therapy. I don't think I want the opinion of a woman. I think I want the opinion of a man mm. and the expertise, the clinical expertise to mm-hmm. give me like the real mm-hmm. on it and not necessarily the what I want to hear or the emotional things like, no, mm-hmm. this is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. consider it this way, consider it that way. So I think I'm, I want to go see a male versus a woman. For the male perspective yeah. more so. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a great idea. I yeah. think it is too. I love getting my advice. Now, as far as the emotional part, I think it's also important, you know, to shop around for a therapist, like make sure it's a connecting because yeah. there are men that are more emotional, but just like you have certain women who are more black and white logical. Yeah. So just make sure that it yeah. you're getting what you need. And I feel like with a male, hopefully he'll be able to call me out on my stuff. I feel like sometimes talking to women, they might 
fly past the bullshit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I could BS some stuff and they'll be like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm going to shop around, but I, I do think I want a male therapist. So I'm yeah. excited for you. I can't wait I to hear. I am too. I need to go to therapy. I was just thinking about, I just really be thinking about stuff that I'll be doing. And I'll be like, that's not right. <laughs> like <laughs> the other day I tweeted this on our page too. I'm like, I, I'm scared of commitment. I hate the idea of committing to something, mm-hmm. but I always want people to commit to me. Commit like, to mm-hmm. that's mental illness. <laughs> like, I have <laughs> issues. And now that I'm aware of my issues, now I want to talk through it. That's dope. That's the first step, I think, though, is just being aware. Yeah. And now that you know that. I think a lot of people, though, have that. They want, they, well, I know me. If you don't like to commit... You don't like to commit, but you want everyone to commit to you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm that type yeah. of person. Yeah. When you say, I was like, yep, that's that's how I be feeling. I think that's <laughs> me too. Like, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't like commitment, but you better commit to me. Yeah. But I, it may be because we've all committed to someone. Yeah. And we didn't that, get it in return. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, uh, nope, I need you to jump in first and then, then I'll, I'll jump, jump in, in after. after. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And then, all for that, yes. So this is just going to transition into toxic traits because that is one of my toxic traits. Mm-hmm. Another one of mine is um, when people hit me with the, uh, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I'm done. Let's not do this anymore. I'm ghosting. Like, uh, it comes it's a wrap. But it's just like when it's me doing it, you know, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine for me to act, ask that question, but I don't want anybody to say it to me. And when mm-hmm. I'm asking you, what are we doing? You better have the right answer. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I can see how that can be toxic. It's very toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, My toxic trait, I get drunk and I cuss people out. <laughs> But and I know why I do that because I am a type of person like I am fully committed to allowing people to be themselves and to operate in a space that they're comfortable in mm-hmm. and do what it is that they desire. So when people do shit, I never like I'm like, well, that's just them. I'm gonna let them be them mm-hmm. until I get drunk. And I was like, you know that one thing you did, <laughs> I really didn't like it. So <laughs> I need to not. I need to just when I have an issue with someone, like yeah, it's cool you're doing this. And that's you, that's great, but it's affecting me in this way. I need to be able to have those conversations when I'm sober, mm-hmm. not when I'm intoxicated and when I have liquor courage. So mm. that's definitely something I need to work on. I tend to call people too when I get really drunk. Mm-hmm. And then I forget about it the next day. So yeah. another one of my, um, I'm trying to think what other ones I have. Oh, um, I'm really good at making people like me and convincing them that I like them back when I really don't. I saw that tweet and I thought I wrote it because I'm like, damn, that's one of my issues. <laughs> and then <laughs> when I get tired of I'm like, bye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You dangle the <laughs> and then you take it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of mine's, I'm trying to think how I want to word this. Um, I think I'm one of those people where I feel like when I'm wronged, my hurt is so much greater than someone else's when I wronged them. Mm. Um, I kind of have the, well, I wouldn't have done that if you didn't do mm-hmm. this. Like, my hurt just trumps everybody else's mm-hmm. hurt. Um, but it's weird because at the same time, I'm big on 
accountability. Like, I'll take the accountability, but I still feel like the way in which I suffered is worse than what I did to mm-hmm. you. Or mine was a reaction of what you did or something like that. So that's definitely toxic. Oh, now that you say that, I have this this situation (laughs) where um, someone who had hurt me before, I hurt them back. And I didn't do it intentionally, but I did. And I was just like, you don't get to be mad at me. You don't remember when you did all this to me. You hurt my feelings. And yeah. Yeah. That's bad. And I'm, I'm really okay with like not working through things like... Me and one of my homegirls was talking about that. And she was like, like, BB, you're so like when you cut off, when you disconnect, like you really disconnect from people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't know. So, yeah. And I think that's I have to learn to work through things. Um, I can't just always take the approach of I don't have to do this. So I'm out. Yeah. I don't know. I need a balance with that, I guess. Okay. All right. So before we jump into the rest of our show, we do have a guest here. um, And I will let him introduce himself. So welcome to the show. Hello. (laughs) My name's Hilton, everyone. (laughs) Thanks for bringing me on. I've listened to, I think, maybe three episodes total now. Uh, Ever since Darielle, I met her at work and I uh, just kind of started to take interest in kind of what other people around me were, were doing and certainly someone having a podcast. I can say it's something that I was kind of interested in. Maybe not necessarily a podcast, but like a YouTube, I don't know, hosting YouTube or something where I can get my voice out there yeah. and uh, kind of share my ideas or knowledge or lack thereof with other people. And, uh, you know, so I thought it was kind of cool that someone else was doing that. So I checked it out and, uh, yeah, it was interesting. And I, I think it's really cool that you guys just kind of took the lead on that, especially to be able to be here like down in, in an actual studio with, you know, like uh, everyone else who's a professional, it's it's cool to see. So mm-hmm. thank you, thank you. Yeah. All right, so we um, listened to an episode of the Friend Zone podcast, and they were talking about the attachment theory. Um, I didn't get to finish part two. I forgot part two wasn't really a part two. A part it one. wasn't. No. Okay, so you're okay. Okay, cool. Um, yes. Yeah, so after listening to that, uh, we all took the attachment theory test and we want to share our results with you guys so i'm trying to locate mine oh mine so the screenshot in mine what were the different attachments it was secure Mm -hmm. it was um anxious preoccupied dismissive avoidant and fearful avoidant yeah those are the four um listening to the podcast i identified more with dismissive avoidant Mm -hmm. listening to it but when I took the test my results were secure um the dismissive avoidant they said that basically well let's back up here the attachment theory is basically how you are in regards to the way you were raised um if your parents were loving if they displayed emotion, different things like that, like how you were raised and how it translates to who you are as an adult in your relationships. Um, the dismissive avoidant was, a. they said that you typically have parents who weren't 
necessarily emotionally unavailable, but then at the same time, they weren't emotionally available. So it was kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, So you kind of had to learn to do things on your own and kind of take care of yourself in a sense. And then as an adult, how that forms in your relationships is um, you tend to come off like you don't care. Or if someone says that they're going to leave, then it's like, okay, bye, because you almost expect it. Different things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I identified with that listening to it. But when I took the test, I was secure. So I don't know. Um, mine was the anxious, preoccupied um, attachment. So I'm just going to read mine. Um, hold on. Oh, it says, so these are people who have had caregivers who were on again, off again, inconsistent, inconsistently tending and attuning to the child. Because of the lack of consistency, the child doubts whether their needs will be met and is on a constant lookout for cues and clues to how their behavior may or may not influence the parents' responses. Over time, they find themselves on an emotional seesaw of needing being met, of needs being met and not being met. Um, their object relation is I can want, but I cannot have. Um, you may observe that in this uh, attachment style, there is a tendency to be chronically dissatisfied. Um, which is on point, uh, honestly. Because um, y'all know my issues with my dad. Like he's on, a, on again, off again parent. He has been all my life. Um, my mom... Not so much. She's not. It's not that she's on again, off again, but she doesn't have like she lacks emotions. She doesn't really show her love. Um, she's better now, but she is not the let me hug you, let me kiss you, let's talk about your problems type of mom. It's kind of like a oh stop being sensitive type of thing. So I could see why I am the way I am and why that's how I am in relationships. Or I tend to deal with men who are on again, off again, and inconsistent. And I can be the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, what was interesting was reading about like the type of person I am and how it affects my kids. And that's when I was like, all right, that's where I was just like, OK, this is not OK. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was saying that I'm basically raising my children to be insecure. Um, and it says that they seek approval and reassurance from others. Um, and I don't, I don't want my children to feel that way. Like, and I could see where um, it says something about how sometimes you show your emotions, sometimes you don't. So they don't know. They don't really trust you because they don't really know how you feel. And I do that, too. Like, I'm not really a lovey-dovey, touchy-feely type of person. Sometimes I'm really nice. Sometimes I could be mean. So I don't know. I was trying to find my results for my email but I couldn't locate them but I want to say when I what was the one the um was avoidant one or what was it not avoidant it was dismissive avoidant yes or there's a fearful avoidance mine was dismissive avoidant so that was one of my highest ones I was trying to find my results but I'll have to keep looking and find them in I don't know where what they say that one was and see, I took a different test than um, the one that you took. Mm-hmm. I took the one that was attached to the. Um, I forgot to make sure. 
mm-hmm. podcast link, and it it um correlated with Game of Thrones characters, uh, like the ones that you're closely related to. Yes. You got what'd you get? Um, the dismissive avoidant. avoidant. So it's a distance between themselves and their partners. Um, they may be love avoidant and generally stay away from close or romantic relationships. When they're in one, it can be difficult to connect. So I, I feel like that can be, I can be very avoidant. I think it's, I, it's, I don't know. Like, I think it would be like on the cusp of it being like a fear as well. Like, I'm just fearful, like it's going to end. Like, I just was like, it's, you know, it's not going to last longer. So, yeah. It's interesting. I love doing all these different, like, quizzes and, like, assessments just to learn more about, like, myself and, like, mm-hmm. how I can manage better. Yeah. I didn't take the longer test because I didn't want to be depressed like I was when last <laughs> time we took a test. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I was watching uh, Being Mary Jane. And I started over from season one because I'd never finished it. Mm-hmm. And she was doing something at like the Jahari window. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember that episode. Yeah. So now I need and I think I took a course at Columbus State and we talked about that. So I'm trying to find my notes on that. And I think that's going to be my next uh, experiment. Yeah. Test thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Being Mary Jane used to stress me out. <laughs> she's and my I, I was always looking like, like well she's rich so it's just right. matter I'm like, like she's living to, a good life I used to watch it and cry I'm like this is my life on like a broker scale of things but <laughs> yes definitely yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright so I have a question for everyone how do you feel about using a dating site to find love let's start with our guest uh, a dating site before I kind of think that Dating sites favor women a lot more than they do men because, like, <laughs> men, men and women, they, they look for different things in their in their partners. You know, like a guy, I can look at a girl, not know anything about her, but know that I'm attracted to her right away. Mm. And you know, women definitely can be attracted to men if they look at them right away too. But a woman can love an ugly man a lot easier <laughs> than a man can love an ugly woman. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm so, glad like, you said it. Well, I'm, like, I'm just saying, like, there's different qualities that we pursue in our long-term partners. Like, you may like find like a hookup guy that you want to hook up with, who just like a one-time thing. When you're like, no, no way, you're gonna be. You don't don't even talk to my kids. <laughs> None of that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, yeah. you could you could have that relationship. So that could that could impact you know going online. I feel like for me, a guy like me who's not like particularly attractive is just like I don't know, maybe middle of the road. <laughs> like a guy like me, if I try to get online and talk to someone initially there may not be that like initial spark or whatever and i need someone to know my personality and kind of you know i need to make them laugh or i need to make them you know feel some kind of way towards me before they like just beyond just meeting me so in that regard like there's a lot of time you could i don't know a lot of time investment that may not pan out and um i just i think it's it's more of a something that a woman can benefit from than a man because you know uh, it's just kind of difficult to attract a woman on uh, on a certain level that that they want through the internet, you know, like through text and like you can't convey emotions as well. You can't like your voice inflections and everything can't be the same over text. You know, what I mean, you ever seen like someone's text and you felt like you read it really angry, mm-hmm, but then when they yeah. send it to you, like they mm-hmm. didn't mean it that way. You know, that's the exact way with like you know you're talking to someone online or you know you get their number. It's kind of difficult to convey exactly how you want to say something and you're not saying it to them. They're reading it so. 
I don't know. It's just it's it's a a medium of uh, conversation that I'd rather avoid, and I'd rather meet someone in person. I mean, yeah, I think there's true. more people out there, but honestly, if you're a high value person, like like if you're someone that a lot of people want to get with, you don't even need to get on those sites. So if you go on those sites, to me, I mean, I don't know if you guys are on those sites or whatever, but if you're on those <laughs> sites, it's like you you kind of already feel low value. You may have low self esteem, and you may just kind of not have that experience that that I'd want to have in a you know, in a partner long-term. So mm, okay. I know, I know a lot of people do it and especially as, as technology is getting more and more involved, it's something that's more and more prevalent. But, uh, to me, it's never been something that appealed to me, but I'm really not like on Facebook too much or Instagram or all that stuff really. So it's not something that I never really got on, got on that train in the first place. So mm. maybe that's kind of, you know, why yeah. I have that stance, but yeah, there's definitely Girls, I think, get a lot more attention on it than than guys can. Uh, but then again, you may you may get frustrated as a woman to get on that with those websites, and you say, you know, these guys just want to hit me up, and they just want a quick booty call, and then, then I'm <laughs> out. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, you know, if you're a guy, if you talk to her for a little bit, then you can think maybe, okay, maybe she actually likes me for who I am, you know, because it's more than just one picture that that we have to get to know each other before she actually wants to go out with me or something. So, yeah. That's that's my opinion on it. Um, I haven't used any, but I know people who have. Um, to me, it's kind of scary because you don't know the person or if they're real or whatever. Like, so I rather not. And it's been a lot of women getting scammed <laughs> on these dating sites. <laughs> it has been. Yes, yeah. I just don't understand, like, if you meet somebody online, why are you giving them money? Like, yeah, yeah. those are those are ridiculous. That's those people will have crazy. some issues. Yeah, I'm kind of I think Hilton made a good point. Like, I don't think the type of man that I would want would be on the dating app. Yeah. I don't use dating app. I always say Instagram is my dating app. That okay. <laughs> so- <laughs> There's a difference between meeting someone online and going online to a dating website. Okay, to the right. purpose so of meeting someone. Okay. Got you. It's completely I'm like, different. I'm like, we don't want to do the dating sites, but we will absolutely entertain someone that's in the DM on Instagram that may turn into a date, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Um, I just, I will not come to terms. I don't think it'll ever be for me where it's like I'm at that place in my life where I'm, now I'm going online mm-hmm. to find mm-hmm. love. But ironically, I do know three couples that met on dating sites and they're married. Now having mm-hmm. one couple with kids, yeah. so mm-hmm. yep. wow, one couple. It definitely it. can work. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's impossible. It I feel work. like if I ever went on, I would want to go to one where I pay and everyone else on there pays because once you get beyond that paywall, it's like and and, and anything that's online. If you get beyond a paywall, then you get the people who are actually serious about it, and like you know who's gonna. I mean, it's less likely you're gonna pay someone to catfish them. You know what I mean? Like you're wasting yeah. your time yeah. and money. Some people will. I know, no, I get it. I, <laughs> No, they're out there, but I just think if you, if you really are going on there, like you know, like if you feel like, oh man, I got to get married and have kids soon, or else I'll be too old or whatever, like right. you should you should pay for it because then you know there's just a little more level of seriousness and I guess uh, a little more authenticity to it. I don't know. That's I never even thought about it too hard, but if yeah. I was gonna do it, I'd go. I'd go pay. That makes sense. Definitely. All right, so we are going to jump into some more um, serious topics. Um, so over the, well, I will say last week, I was going to say over the weekend, we all watched the When They See Us um, 
on Netflix. And it was pretty tough to get through. I cried um, when we got when I got to the fourth episode. It was really sad. Um, my son, my eight year old, I made him watch it um, just because I wanted him to be aware of things that go that go on because he has a lot of questions. And he, I don't, at first I felt like he wasn't old enough, but um, he's really smart and he really has a lot of questions about things that go on in this world. So I thought it was a good idea for him to watch it. So let's talk about it. Okay. Um, I should I start? <laughs> I don't know. Um, watching it, I pretty much cried from the first episode through the fourth. Um, it's very disheartening to think that these these five men, um, well, kids at the time, kids. Let me be clear, lost their entire life. Um over something that they did not do and um just to see how hard um the what was her name was it Fairstein I can't remember her first name mm-hmm. Linda I don't know. Linda Linda Fairstein to see how hard she went to force pieces that did not fit to make this complete lie come together and still their childhoods was just very disheartening to see and of course you guys know I have god babies and three boys at that and I don't really feel like times have really too much changed mm-hmm. to be completely honest um it was heartbreaking it was very heartbreaking it was crazy that you say that cuz after Royce watched it he was like well that happened a long time ago like is is it still like that now i'm like uh yeah like it's mm-hmm. definitely still like that so and you know him with his behavior problems and you know his anger problems like it 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 really was just like if fucked me up sorry but it fucked me up because i'm just like that could be my son mm-hmm. you know so i don't know i i really it's like you can't really protect your kids from too much. Like, you can, but you can't. Yeah. You know? So, I, I don't know. I think what's, what bothers me the most, and Hilton, I'm going to ask your opinion about this. Um, The fact that as black people, I don't know what your experience is, but these are the conversations that we have to have with our kids at eight and nine and seven mm-hmm. because – that's something that could very well be their life. And watching the first documentary, the way they manipulated the situation because the parents weren't educated on the laws, except for the one mother, she mm-hmm. knew, and she spoke up. She knew her kid had to be 16 right. to not have to be accompanied. To yeah. not be accompanied um, by an adult. Um, the way they manipulated that entire situation with the parents, the siblings, um, the sister that signed off and different things like that. It just sucks to know that these are the conversations I'm going to have to have with my kids. Like, and it's almost like you have to take their childhood away in a sense. Like they can't just be kids. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are those the kind of conversations that your dad had to have with you? Uh, and there was never any explicit conversation where he said to me, like, um, 
you know, when when this happens around police, you need to do this or that. But I think we we often talked. He he. I remember he had one one conversation with me about when I do get pulled over, just to be respectful to the officer and keep keep my hands, you know, where where I could see him. But it was like where he could see him or or she, you know, whoever the officer was, where, where they could see him. But it wasn't necessarily like an undertone of like, you know, you need to act this way because they're going to think of you a certain way, you know, mm-hmm. just do the color of your skin or whatever. I mean, that's one thing that I always it's it's difficult as a white person to to kind of put myself in that place of uh, I am going through the world as this color person because. It's never been anything that ever thought that anything good or bad has happened to me because I'm white. It's never, I don't, I don't even think of myself like as this race. I just, I think of myself as me and I'm just going through the world. And, you know, like, I feel like no matter who you are, where you are, like in the United States, you have the ability to really more than any other country, you have the ability to, to find success and kind of be, be yourself and succeed through that, but basically the same tenets of hard work and, you know, like being reliable and trustworthy through everyone that you work with, those same principles apply no matter who you are or mm-hmm. what your race is or, you know, where you grew up or anything. You have to be you have to be a hardworking person who's willing to make sacrifices and also treat people the right way. And I think that, you know, there are issues with racism. I'm not going to say there's not racist people in the world, mm-hmm. but the person who's the most in charge of how you turn out is you. And I think that if you go through the world thinking of yourself as, oh man, how are they going to react to me as a black woman or how are they going to react to me as a white man? You're kind of putting yourself, kind of distancing yourself already as opposed to just, I'm going to come out and just approach the world as like, this is the best person I am I'm coming through. Here's what I can do for you. You know, like let's, let's just work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, that that distancing themselves is something that, that white people don't don't ever have to deal with, and you mm-hmm. may call that privilege, but I think it's just something that we don't, as a majority race in, in the United States, we don't have to go through, but other races per- persevere through it and can, you know, as a result, they still succeed in the United States. Mm-hmm. If you look at, like, Asian Americans, they actually, like, in a socioeconomic standard, they do better than white people themselves, and they're even you know, more of a minority than any other race here in the United States. So I think their their culture kind of has a, like a hardworking ethic to them that even, you know, you know like white Americans, they're like Japanese people, man, they, they work so many hours a week and we just don't have that in our culture. And it's just something kind of foreign to us, but their, their work ethic kind of helps them to go through that. And you really don't hear the racism cries from, from Asian Americans, but I'll, I, I digress on that. I won't, I won't go too far into that, but like, I know the feeling of being, um, like under like a cop's authority or something, you know, I've been pulled over before and it's definitely an uneasy feeling, mm-hmm. but I feel like having dealt with like my dad, I, I was afraid of my dad growing up. And I think to some degree you should be, if you're a young man, you need that that fear of authority and the one person who can really do that best for you in your life is going to be a father figure more than a mom could. And that's just kind of the way that parenting, um, that's, that's like the balance in parenting that I think is so, is so natural between like a man and a woman. So if you're, if you're a young man growing up and you don't have a father in your life who can really kind of be that authority, the translation to a police officer who's trying to be that authority in your life, you may, you may have a harder time if, if you didn't have that authority figure of a father in in your life. So 
I always like as soon as I like I got pulled over or something like I don't know in my mind I just kind of thought like okay just treat him like I would my dad you know everything's cool I don't know that's that's how I go through it in my mind. Mm. Was but, that so, something that was in that video? Yeah, yeah. The um, yeah. We'll, we'll yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So watching the docu series, how did you feel about it? Well, it was. I can't say that I cried, but I definitely felt. Uh, very sad for the situations that all five of those kids went through. Um, I think that the racial tensions and everything back then, I think have we've gotten a lot better from where we where where we are now is a lot better than than back then. I disagree with with Darielle where she thinks that it's kind of the same. You know, things like that go on now. I think they can. I think there are racist people. There's certainly racist people. You know, in every uh, you know uh, every profession in the world. Mm-hmm. But now, I think that. If you make the right decisions, what well, no matter your skin color, you're going to be you're going to be okay, especially in, in terms of the law. Like mm. now that you got body cameras or you know whatever they're like uh, that the the officers wear on their chest mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. like body cameras and stuff, even more accountability and even more proof. I think that's that's great. I'm, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But I, as far as how I felt watching it, it was very sad to see like they. They glazed over how long those kids were in jail for or in juvenile detention for, like how much of their lives they lost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, okay, they got a settlement out of it, but you put me in, in jail or juvie for 10 years, and then you, after I come out, I get 10 million or whatever, it still is not going to make up for all that lost time. You know, that's your life. You're never going to get that back. Mm-hmm. So it was sad just to think of like on a, on a, on a time perspective and like uh, an experience perspective of what they all lost out on and uh, how that impacted their lives, especially knowing that, I mean, think of someone, even if someone was guilty all the time, they lose in jail. Then they think about someone who didn't do it. You know, it's mm. it sad to, to see that happen. Yeah, I think they flew through it because the fifth kid went through so much more. Like he went to Rikers, like he went to different prisons, like he was in adult jail. So, they kind of got it e- way easier than he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So but that's why think... he had like a whole episode like mm-hmm. about his experience. But people don't want to sit and watch some someone in juvie because it's boring. Like, let's be honest, you know, like mm-hmm. eight years, you can make that go by quick because what they're doing in there is not anything that is good, you know, TV material that someone would want to watch. It's just boring, you know, them going to the cafeteria. They do the same thing in jail on a smaller scale. Um, mm-hmm. And just because I think you made some really great points. So I... First of all, thank you so much for coming mm-hmm. on to the show because I think you made some really great points just of how you view things. And I'm going to be really quite frank hearing your conversations about how you viewed like how if you just work hard, all you have to do and you'll be the best person you can be and you just be respectful and like you will get so far in life sounded like privilege to me. You know, because I worked in some inner cities and a lot of things are like, if you don't know, then you just don't know. So I worked in some schools where I know that no matter how hard these children work, you can't outwork generational poverty, especially you can possibly. But it's even that much harder when you are African-American just because it, it it's so many different layers to it. So I think coming from you know in the african-american community and you were saying like you know you hear about like asian they don't have these cries that these racist cries i was like of course not because it's a different dynamics between asian americans or asians you know that are you know first generational whatever the case may be and white people it's just a different than versus african-americans why is that because of slavery slavery yeah like i mean 
that's you know a lot of Chinese like back in California a lot of Chinese were enslaved or you know very much impoverished in the in the early days when the like back in California when the railroads were being that's, put down yeah that and that, and, that, and I understand camps, that, that is, you but know, you can't compare like, you can't compare Japanese <laughs> but you can't two. compare it you, no it's true you but here's absolutely the thing. cannot compare it because I, we're talking about one state and you even mentioned that Asian America is the smallest amount of minority so we definitely cannot compare it because we're over here you're telling me that you know they were enslaved for one state but we're literally talking about African Americans were brought over to this country just to do that. And some of those hard work ethic that you were mentioning that Asian um, community possess are those same exact hard work being culture that is a lot of Africans. Like when they come over to our, you know, when they come over to America, I don't want to call it art. When they come over to America, they possess some of that same very much so hard working culture. And I'm sure that that was something that we were robbed of that culture just because, you know, of how we got here because mm -hmm. of slavery. So it's like, I can see how you view it in that way, though. I can definitely see it, but it's just like it's like literally a whole nother world over so, here. So you know, you say that the background impacts how the rela the race relations are. Mm -hmm. Slavery was a long time ago, and I agree that there are still repercussions of that that we feel today. Mm -hmm. But is the the change that needs to happen to move forward best as a country? Is that is that within like if you keep looking back to slavery i feel like it's never gonna it's never gonna go mm -hmm. anywhere mm -hmm. i feel like if you keep dwelling on that past mm -hmm. nothing's gonna change mm -hmm. people i mean there people will, need to the move race forward. relations will only like there are some obviously there's some improvement of the race relations like I, we can't even sit here and say that there isn't um because we did get an african-american a biracial president um and that's something that a lot of people, if you would have ever asked my grandmother, would we ever see that? They would be like, oh, no, never right. going to happen. So I think there is some improvement, but I just feel like um, it, it, it's just going to it's something that is going to be. So. Yeah. Um, first, let me say you are in a safe space to give your opinions. I feel yes. like this may get a little heavy. Yeah, um, I never felt otherwise. So OK, thanks. good. Yeah, I, I don't want you to think like. <laughs> No, I respect, yeah, yeah, yeah that's we why we definitely your respect opinion, your opinion. 100%. And I can see how you have that. Right. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. The narrative, I, I think everyone's narrative is, is just going to be different. So I just want to put that out there now that um, you are in a safe space to feel how you feel. Um, slavery ended, what, 153 was, years ago? Uh, no. 1865 yeah. is when slavery ended. Mm -hmm. Um. You have to consider, and I, I don't know if you've ever really done your research um, from when slavery ended up until now. So slaves were freed. Mm. Um, we were really not given anything to start the process of any kind of generational wealth. Mm -hmm. You have things such as Black Wall Street, which was burned down mm -hmm. to the ground. Um, then you have Civil Rights Era. We weren't able to vote. Mm -hmm. So if you look over the course of time, mm -hmm. it's not just we're looking back to say, oh, slavery is the cause of all of this. It wasn't just slavery. Mm -hmm. We've been oppressed since. since slavery ended. It has not stopped. You go from the civil rights issues to then the war on drugs with the Reagan era mm -hmm. and things like that, where they started enslaving a lot of people of um 
a lot of African Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, so although things have gotten better, you got to look at the details as to well, why we actually, are still suffering in a sense. I think that there was there was after slavery had had ended. I think that there was actually black blacks as a, as a whole in America were starting to get back into like the normal like coming to society and poverty was not so much of an issue and then there were more laws and legislations passed that kind of brought them back down um right. towards like the 20s and 30s you know in that in that era blacks were were beginning to see you know uh there were black business owners there were you know a lot more black wealth coming up mm-hmm. and then i think that the a lot of laws that were passed uh, under Lyndon Johnson, like the war on poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl and I had talked about this a little bit, where basically, if you're a single, if you were a single mom back, you know, in, in this this war on war on poverty era, if you're a single mom, you could get a check from the government. But if you if you had a, a husband at home, mm-hmm. you couldn't. They right. wouldn't. They wouldn't mm-hmm. send it to you. So mm-hmm. it kind of forced a lot of not just black but disproportionately black because of like the the poverty issues it forced a lot of them to kind of have these split homes and to me that is i mean i grew up with both my parents in the picture but not married together but to me that is such a an absolutely critical part of any child's life growing up mm-hmm. and the the chances of you being in poverty or going to jail um with uh with only one parent in the home you know especially like a single mom or something it's so much, so much higher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty times higher. If you're, if you're, if you're a, a boy and you have no dad, you're like twenty times more likely to go to jail than mm-hmm. if you, than if you don't, than if you have one. Just in the life. So, I think that you can, you can point to a lot of things that have happened in the past. Certainly, there, there haven't been great things that have gone on. Slavery's bad, you know. Like all these things that have happened to black people are bad. But at some point, I think if you, if you keep dwelling on that and you don't look at what we've done now and what we've got, you know, in favor. Uh, of black people now and how they how they can they have like a step up in some in some regards like getting into colleges and things um, you have the opportunity to, to get where you need to go I think the culture of black culture is what needs to have a shift more than I think I think black people suffer more due to their own culture than they do due to the way that white people or any other race treats them in the, in the United States mm, that's, that's the way I feel uh, okay. the culture of like the culture of um, not having a dad in the home is very detrimental. No matter, you know, this isn't strictly a black thing, but any right. any culture you don't have a dad in the home, that's 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 going to hurt you. But also, um, there's other other cultural things that me as a white person I see, and it's like kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, like what? Well, you think about the way that black culture views like drugs in general. I think. I think it's wrong. Um, you think uh, just the way that people refer to like weed and things like I know weed is not the strongest drug, but it's not necessarily a drug that's going to get you ahead in life. I don't feel like. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to a radio station and they say, we're rolling up 10 joints in a row for you guys, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're saying we're going to listen to 10 songs without commercials, mm-hmm. but to say we're rolling up 10 joints in a row you know, you got kids listening to this, and you're normalizing illegal behavior, not necessarily even normalizing well, now not productive that behavior. The government has found ways to uh, make a profit off of it. Now we have marijuana is becoming legalized in a lot of places, and yeah, who is for sure. who is benefiting? Is there one black person, one African American person in the legalized weed industry? 
now whose culture is that now would you feel like the legalization of marijuana i mean i, I wouldn't i wouldn't see this is the thing like do you I see that like, as a white culture feel, now or do you still think it's like black culture it's not even anything where i associate a culture with it i think that the culture of smoking marijuana is not something that is particularly black or white i mean okay. everyone, everyone does you just drugs. said how we view drugs but is yeah like a culture okay thing. But i just think that the way that the way that black people will view like smoking marijuana is not that bad of a deal, especially given the fact that it's like illegal. Still here in Ohio, it is anyways. Mm-hmm. If you still view it as not that big of a deal and you normalize it to the point where you're saying the kids like, oh, we're rolling up 10 joints in a row for you guys, you know, like <laughs> it's just how does that how does anything good come from that? If you're normalizing some illegal mm-hmm. behavior, whether or not mm-hmm. like morally, whether you feel like it's right, you're mm-hmm. still normalizing legal behavior to the point where you'll get kids and in, into it and then. They'll start down this this path where they get caught with, you know, maybe they get caught with a small bag of mm-hmm. weed on themselves. Mm-hmm. Then when they get a, they get a record, and then if something else happens that maybe the cops would have just looked past, you got you got a record now, so you're more likely to get a sentencing from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like you would never in a, you know, like a a mostly white radio station, you could never have you could never pull that off. Mm. Calling something, you know, saying we're gonna roll up ten blunts in a row for you guys or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I just think that certain things that um, certain things that black people do to try to distinguish themselves have have actually only hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Is it's interesting to me? Like the reason why I started listening to the podcast was just to to see what was going on, like how how the uh, how the show went as far as someone starting out a show by themselves and kind of going on to to do it because of something I was interested in myself, but also. Like black culture has always kind of interested me because of the fact that there was slavery and then, you know, like blacks got moved against their will here to the United States and then slavery ended and they're kind of like, you know, America, you're in this great land of opportunity, but you're like, hey, start from scratch. You know, here's your here's your starting block. You have no culture really to speak of now about this slave culture, but that's not that's not great because, you know, you were always under under rule of someone else. But here, go ahead and start off, you know. So, like, blacks, black culture in America is, like, the youngest culture, really, in the world, to me. I mean, I'm sure there's other smaller ones, but it's, it's like, the largest and the youngest. And to kind of look at it as a, a social experiment, kind of to see what, you know, what people would do is is interesting to me. So, I see a lot of the things that, that blacks do as, um, I think a lot of it is good, but a lot of it is also bad that, that hurts them. And it's it's good to have, like, a distinguishing quality so that you don't feel like, I mean, if, you're, if someone was your, your master so to speak, for so long, and then you 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 come free of that, you want to make sure that you don't have a lot of their qualities. You know, you wanted to separate yourself, and I, I think that you should, and you should have, a, you know, a culture of, of music and, and you know, food and everything that the culture is based around, but at some point you kind of have to self-reflect and say, okay, these things are hurting us versus these things are helping us. So I think, like, if you look at, like, the N-word, people say the N-word is only for black people. That's only, that's just a barrier. It's just more ways to, to distance yourself. Or if you, like, the way that black people, the names that they give themselves, like, uh, there was a Key and Peele sketch on it with, like, this guy in the NFL's name, DeBrickashaw, DeBrickashaw Ferguson, you know what I mean? And if you go into, a, if you go into a, a, a job offer and your name's DeBrickashaw, it's just, I mean, me and I know being named Hilton, it kind of sets it off on a weird foot. You're like, what's your name? You know? Mm-hmm. So... I think black people, they want to distance themselves from a cultural standpoint for, for many good reasons. 
but on some on some areas um they can only they only hurt themselves in those regards so like the way that the way that they name themselves or maybe the way that they talk and it, like you know how to use correct english but you may talk more black towards your other friends mm-hmm. that makes them feel like they're in a little more like associating with you easier so what what do you feel about cultural appropriation because all of the things that you say is harmful to us as a race it seems that other races or groups of people love to take on what you deem to be hurtful in a sense so it's hurtful like, for us but it's cool for other people to like specifically like with the n-word or like the way that the, that that people talk. or you know what's some other examples i could give um, uh dress talk the way we dress the way we talk what music we listen music to we listen to um i think i would need a little bit more clarification what's wrong that. with cultural appropriation everything on a well, base level what's wrong with it so if it's, all right explain so that's what i'm saying if it's if we're hurting ourselves but it's okay for everybody if it's a hurtful thing and it does no one any good why would anyone else want to take it on not you specifically but the masses the united states is a melting pot of all cultures and we as as a culture in the united states we eat hamburgers from germany we love you know chinese food you know we we speak we like their uh like, have you ever met these weeaboos who go around, like, dressing like anime characters and love Japanese culture? I mean, these people, they, they take what they like from different cultures and they, they leave out what they don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, it's great. It's it's great for, for everyone to kind of know what they like and don't like from cultures. And we can make, like, the best culture out of it. Mm-hmm. That's what diversity brings. That's why it's so valuable. So if you take black culture and say, like, I love listening to rap, that doesn't mean that I have to take everything that the black culture has and you know i love pizza but that doesn't mean i have to take everything the italian culture has it's it's great to be able to take what you want from one culture and leave it out what you don't want and i think that black people too often can get offended by something and say oh you're you're appropriating this the way i dress or you're appropriating the way that that i you know the, the music that i make mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that if i like the way that you dress that's a compliment you know Imitation is flattery, in my opinion. That's that's how I feel about that. Now, certain other things, like the way the way that black people talk, or the way that they may name themselves, or something like that, to make themselves a little more distinguished that way, white people generally haven't taken haven't taken that up. Like the way that we dress. White people name their kids weird ass shit. shit all the time. All the too. time. Y'all but I don't think do that... it different, like apple or orange or yeah, like. That's the, yeah, no, I, I, that's like, not cool. That stuff so weird. that then I feel like that is very common now, or purple think, or whatever. Y'all, that is now a very common trend. It's just you guys decide to name your children off of an animate uh, objects, and we just decide to put some letters together and. I don't think it's, I don't think, I think the whole issue is that when we do something, it's called ghetto or it's wrong or it's talked down on, but then y'all do the same shit. And then we'd be like, well, I don't want to say y'all, but white people, some white people would do the same thing and y'all expect us to be okay with when we do it, it's wrong, but you could do it. Like, I think that's the issue. And what specifically? Like braids for example i don't know mm-hmm. braids yeah 
Braids. Are they can be considered ghetto or whatever. We get called ghetto for that or we looked like with somebody if somebody sees me, a black person with braids, they're gonna assume that I'm probably ghetto. Mm-hmm. But the white people get braids now. Like mm-hmm. you know, what and I'm it's saying? edgy and it's trendy and it's provocative and it's I think what's I just guess. interesting for me is that um you can you can say that we can take the things that we like and leave the things that we don't like, but then tell us why you you didn't necessarily say this, but we're still complaining about race. All you have to do is work hard. That's all you got to do. And that's not really our narrative. Unfortunately, I'm not saying I, I, like I said, I just, at the end of the day, you get to choose and you know what I mean? Like you get to choose what you want to take from the culture and go with it. And why can't you choose? Because at the end of the day, I look like this. We're black. Like we can't. <laughs> I, and, and I don't really think it's something that you're going to understand. So, so you can't choose because of something that you have no control over, and you're gonna let who's who's saying that you can't choose? So here's the thing. I could, and, and this is a very simple example you mentioned the way we speak so I can put on my proper tone and use proper grammar and go into a place and still be treated less than because I am not white Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's honestly just that simple Mm -hmm. yeah I can have all of the education do you think that there's absolutely no no difference between talking properly and then talking with like and like I don't know like an urban tone or whatever you might want to call it you think there's there's a difference there that someone would treat you then so if you're say you're getting treated 90 percent of the way that I get treated if I if I walk into a place only because of race whatever you want to bring it down to right mm-hmm. if you want to decrease the way that you get treated do you think that you'll help yourself any more or do anything better for t- talking you know, in in like a traditional black speak. I think it's important to to note because every every race has their different subcultures, right? Because then I know some people gonna go up there like, yeah, my name is Becky Ann, and I'm applying for this job, and it's they're gonna be quote unquote hillbillies. I think you're kind of grouping it all as if like every there's there's different subcultures basically within the black community. So just like. Becky Ann can go for a job and maybe she's not speaking, you know, yo, what's up? Da, 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 da. She's still gonna yeah. be like, and I'm going to, I need a job. And she's, you know, and because I'm fixing to go do this and that and all that. Like, she might have a twang. She might have right. a twang. From the South. So it's like, South, yeah. that's a part of your white culture as well. So it's not just black culture does it, are the only people that have, you know, a, a twang or use slang or anything. Like, there's white people. Right. I grew up on the west side of Columbus. I'm not sure if you're from Columbus. Yeah. So <laughs> if that lets you know anything. But you probably <laughs> see, I don't ever change the way I speak for anyone. And you probably when you're around talking around with all, you know, your girlfriends who are all black, you probably change the way that you would talk to them versus the way you would do talk you to someone. Change else. how you talk to your parent? Do you I don't know the dynamics of your my relationship. vocabulary and all like I may do use you, slang or cuss more or less, but like my vocabulary then that's, and all that. I stuff. feel like that's the same. Like if I'm having a conversation with my girls, I'm gonna talk to them like it's my girls. If I'm having a conversation with my father, 
I'm gonna me and my father are really close. So he's like, so <laughs> I'm gonna have a conversation with my mother. I'm still going to address her and talk to her a specific way. Yeah. If I have a if I every conversation I have with everyone is different, not because of anything other than I'm having a conversation with someone and they are different. I need to present my message differently from them. You know, just like if I'm talking to my nieces or nephews, I'm going yeah, to use certain cater ne- it you know? I get, So I, get I think that. everyone does that. Yeah. And you're kind of making like, oh, I talk to everyone. Like, I guarantee the way you talk to us is not how you're going to go talk to your nieces and nephews or how you talk to your siblings, if you have any, or no, your parents. I, I agree that you, you use different, you use different like vocabulary and things like that. Your, your tone and everything can change. But to say like black people will have the, the terminology like, oh, you talk too white or something like that. Like the way that you talk between two different races shouldn't, shouldn't change. Like if you're talking to two kids and one of them is black, one of them is white, you should talk to them the same way. If you're talking to two adults, one of them is black, one of them is white, you should talk to them the same way as mm-hmm. opposed to talking to a black person differently. But and- you know what? What I'm realizing is the conversation you're having, I feel like you're literally addressing a subculture within the African-American community. And I think that is the culture that the media really only displays. Oh, I agree with that. Or portrays. And that's all you see. So it's like, the conversation that you're having, because I'm thinking like, what, what? but I realize you're just talking to the subculture of the African-American But that subculture community. is what gives the, the negative stigma about but it. But do you understand that you're the white Americans have a subculture within it? I just told you I'm from the west side of Columbus, and that is a whole subculture within itself. I When I think of white people, I don't think the west side of Columbus, even though that's what I was born and raised. You, I don't know if you... I don't know what school did you go to? What high school did you uh, go to? Thomas Worthington. Okay, so wasn't a lot of African American children there, but um, but I went to Indianola Alternative Elementary School as an as a as a like K through five. Okay, and it so was there like forty percent black people okay. there. Right, like, but I'm just everything you're saying. I think is just catering to this one demographic, and that's the only demographic that you're referring to because that's the one that the media uh, presents. Yeah. And who who controls the media? Mostly who are the executives? Whites. Who are the execs? Yeah. Who a BET executive? Who is that? That's a white person. Yeah. So that is the only thing you're talking. That is literally the only thing when you see black people. That's what you see. You see the African American using um, African American vernacular English. You see the the person that is talking about selling drugs and dope. You see the person that is sagging. You see the person that uses. I say nigga, so I'm going to say it. Nigga. Uh, you see this person. That is that is literally what you see. Like, it's almost like this, like, um, my player, like this little character, like, you know, that you play in a game. Like, this is literally, you, they're, they're, they're sagging. They got these chains right. on. They're this, they're that. Or the black girl is like this and yeah, da, 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 her name is Shaquanda or whatever the hell. My name is Lynn. <laughs> like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I work in the biotech field. Like, I'm not, but when, but that's the thing. You wouldn't know that. You wouldn't know anything about because when and this is the same thing as the African-American person that Brandon was saying, like when we walk out the door, you just see she her, you saw her walking out. She she could be Shaquanda, this person that you have in your mind, whatever. Nothing wrong with the name Shaquanda. But, you know, or, you know, whatever. No one knows that because as you're saying it through your lens as a white person, as a white male, you're seeing like you just said, it's a subculture. So every time they see me, especially because I'm a darker complected woman. So there's even layers in that they're thinking. Um, you know, she's who knows what, how much education she has. Who knows if she even graduated? She probably comes. She may not have her mother and her father live together. They may not be married. Da, 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 because that is 
all that media portrays itself. So like Brandy was saying, like when we go out there, they don't know any credentials. They don't know. They just see us as what you're naming and is all these negative traits. And then that's how people treat us like that. Well, let me say that the media is probably now the most destructive force in the race relations that we have. I think mm-hmm. if you actually get to know someone beyond this this stereotype of, like you said, Shaquanda or whatever, mm-hmm. if you get to know them, like people our generation, I don't think make that jump mentally when they see someone. I don't think people our generation do that because we're used to we're used to growing up around like race is a lot more diverse now than what it mm-hmm. was like when my grandparents grew up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like now I've talked to black people who have who have been that way and I've talked to black people who have been, you know, completely like the most mm-hmm. non-stereotypical black person ever. You know, like mm-hmm. I've, I've talked to people on both sides and I know that you can't just think that some person is a certain way immediately mm-hmm. upon meeting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my grandma, my grandma can't even tell the difference between like a Hispanic person and a black person. They just know, she just knows like they're not white, you mm-hmm. know, like she mm-hmm. just, she, she didn't grow up around it though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You got to mm-hmm. take in consideration when she went to school, every single other person around her was white. Mm-hmm. And so she never even had to make that distinction or like she didn't look at like facial features and say, okay, this person has facial features of a black person versus a Hispanic person or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that the media does definitely hurt those relations in that, you know, the people like, I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch. I, I don't mm-hmm. watch any of these. T- I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. And people our generation are less and less watching TV. Mm-hmm. The people who are watching TV and watching that media definitely have that perception of okay, you painted this picture. That's how most people are, and that's that's wrong. That that it happens that way. But the only way you can change that is by going out and just normalizing yourself and assimilating, and and eventually you will, you will become more a part of the culture and I think that black people have kind of hesitated to assimilate to some degree and it's only it's only hurting them I, I disagree African American so what's the what's the idea behind behind cultural appropriation if not to what to, the American to, to culture the American, oh, okay I I don't agree with that but, but okay. okay so the idea behind cultural appropriation is saying I don't want you to take these aspects of my culture, but then no, that's not. It's this is the issue with it because back in the day, um, back remember I don't know if you how much you are into music, but like back in the day, African Americans. When I say back in the day, I'm thinking like probably like Motown a little bit before Motown, like you know that era of music where African Americans would go out, they would make a song, and then white people would basically make that same Still exact it. song or use that same exact roll. language. Yeah. Rock and roll was created by black people. And then who people. gets the credit? Who gets the who gets the financial support? Of, it would be the white person. So that's why we have an issue with cultural appropriation because we will make things like our art, our language. <laughs> like... I can't get an email from Forever 21 without telling me I need to be on fleek this summer. Like, literally, (laughs) blow my brains out right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) they benefit from it. So it's like, you take what we do, our our language, how we wear our hair, our dance moves, our dance moves, (laughs) and we don't profit off of it. White people profit off of it. That's what's pissing people off. Perfect example, you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're taunted and we're talked about for having bigger lips you know what I mean Mm -hmm. complexion wise you get someone take the Kardashians Mm -hmm. lip fillers she's a million dollars richer because of her lip fillers Mm -hmm. and she got that from us but Mm -hmm. we're told we're ugly Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. women with big butts that's 
naturally how our bodies are. Mm-hmm. Women are paying to have these things mm-hmm. done. And then it's just oh so beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want That's someone that looks like that. But for years upon years, we were told that we weren't good enough. Or it's too much. Or, or it's we too much. Or it's ugly. Or it's this, because or of it's it. That. Or it's that. And then white people get to do it. And it's provocative. It's trendy. It's, you know. Or you take <laughs> African-American rappers. Oh, well, he was a drug dealer. And he was this. And he was that. And mm-hmm. he was this. And then he was that. But then you get someone like, what's the white guy's name that won the Grammy? Um, Macklemore. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like you, like she said, you profit and you're praised off of things that we created. But then you say, well, yeah, we'll take the things that we don't like and leave <laughs> the other stuff over there. Yeah. And so it, it's kind of like you don't want the full experience because at the end of the day, I mean, honestly, if you had the choice, would you be a black? Would you decide to be a black man? I don't think that it would really make. In today's culture, I don't think it would make a difference. In fact, if I had to choose when I had to fill out my, uh, when I submitted my ACT and my GPA, if you asked me if I want to be a white person or a black person when I was applying to Ohio State, sign me up as a black guy. Because I, mean, I would have got a full ride. Do you know why you would have gotten a full ride? Do you know why? Because of affirmative action. Do you know why affirmative action is necessary? I don't think it's necessary anymore. But or do you know why? I know why it was implemented. Do you know why? Implemented exactly because those kids that you went to Indianola Elementary School with, and they got that same education. Unfortunately, when they got around to high school, they weren't going to Thomas Worthington. They were going to I don't even know what the fuck is over there in Indianola. What it was is like it? West uh, Whetstone, that kind of area. Whetstone, mm. whatever. In that school, then they're in a Columbus Public failing school district. Right, but I had so to move what out. You learned, we had to move out of that. You can't just go to any school you want to. We had to move out of that school district. And that's so. great. So your parents were able to afford you that opportunity. But unfortunately, that's an opportunity that a lot of um, a lot of people's parents are unable to afford them. Yeah, that's correct. I went, I'm from the West Side, but guess what? My parents were able to move my younger siblings to Ballantrae. I don't know if you're familiar with Ballantrae. It's in Dublin area. And so they got now the perks of going to a um, school. And guess what? My brother applied to that same scholarship that I applied to when he went to Ohio State um, because he's at Ohio State right now. And he got like a, I think a 28 on his ACT or whatever like that. And he obviously put down an African-American. The skating scholarship that me and my sister got from living on the west side of Columbus, Ohio, he wasn't given that. Because why? Motherfucker, you went to, you're in Dublin schools. You, uh, should, get a, you should get a 28 ACT has, score. It has a lot to do with you your should. relative to the people who went. Like they look at relative <laughs> to everyone else in your school too. Like Yes, I, and that's what I... You're saying everything that I'm saying. You're making all of it make sense. That's why my brother was not able to get that full ride scholarship that my sister and I got because he went to school in Dublin. He's ahead of <laughs> so the curve. You, you should get those ACT scores because we're putting, we just built 20, they're building a $21 million fucking library in that area. Okay, but you did, get what I'm saying though? Did you he, understand that piece did of he it? Work, did he work any less hard than you or anything? You know what I mean? Like all those it's things. It's opportunities that were afforded because of what? Because of money. And why? How do people get money in this world? So do people do people ever ascend the social ladder? I, yeah, because my parents went from living on the west side to Dublin. Okay. That's great, but that's my parents. When when you're when you're under the age of eighteen, you are pretty much you know under your parents. So yeah, if you're lucky enough. So how did they how did they pull that off? Being Black Americans, how did they pull that off? That how ascension? did they pull it off? Yeah, I I, I wouldn't even. Like, I don't know. I don't know. They just were able to pull it off. 
My dad is a... Um, it was a miracle? No, it wasn't a miracle. My dad is smart with money. My dad went through a lot of diversity as a young as a young man. He persevered through that, kept working hard, raised his kids right, yes. moved them out, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that black culture needs to be celebrating and worrying mm -hmm. about and but, focusing on. But that is an anomaly. That story... And it should anomaly. not be. It should it not is. be. It Everybody is. can't afford to up and move out <laughs> but of the it is. hood. It's an anomaly. It just so happened to work out that way. Here's the thing. The way that the government sets it up now for, for anyone, but especially with black people, it doesn't encourage it doesn't encourage you to get out of that. Because you may get a check that says, Hey, only work this much or else we're not we're gonna cut your we're gonna cut your check that you're getting from the government. They're not gonna get that anymore. So if I'm getting paid $1,000 from the government a month, and then I can only make another 1000 I'm capped at two grand. And if I work to make another 500 then the government says I'm not paying you, I actually lost money. So who's the government? Who, who, who controls that? Are you talking about stamps and assistance? That's mm -hmm. once yeah. again. That's so stuff. that's yeah. the government that's doing that. So you have to think the government is probably, believe it or not, they're probably in on this. <laughs> you know, like, let's be real. Let's be real here. They were like, okay, and you take someone who's thinking right now, I can't work. I don't have the option to ascend the ladder and go for it because I have children, depending on me. So I need to right now, if this two grand is what's going to keep me afloat, I may just have to only do two grand until maybe a crazy opportunity, a once in a lifetime opportunity comes. And if it doesn't, then here, this is where I'm capped at because I don't have the luxury of trying to ascend this ladder because I have children that are depending on me. So having children, does that have anything to do with anyone but yourself? That's nothing but you, right? You had the choice to have sex. You had the choice to, to risk that and have those kids. Mm. That's, that's your choice. So don't, don't try to like, conflate that with something that the government did or but a lot of other times a lot of decisions that we make and this is being a lot of decisions that we make as a child or as or as a younger adult are decisions that we probably would have not decided to have made it's you know i'm not ever saying that children and are who, a mistake or who anything influences like that. those decisions it's your parents it's your culture that you're, you're raised up in so i think the culture for for black america needs to change more to don't have kids before you're you're married to someone don't have kids when you're real young because that really is going to like cripple your ability mm -hmm. to get an education growing up. I and all that I've stuff. never met one family. I never met someone that was like, yeah, have kids when you're young or do this. It just happens. You have unprotected sex and get pregnant. And that's just. But why does it happen more to uh, blacks than than whites? Um, does it? I was oh, not really. It does. What's the number on there? Especially, well, definitely the amount of like children out of wedlock. Well, it's white in the women black are community. the top when it comes to government assistance. So that's what. Yeah, I was wondering. Like they're they're the ones. Yeah, they're at the top. The majority of yep, it's going to white. Yeah, those people they're in the same situation. They can't they can't get out of it. They so can't. You, but no, but you were asking which one. But white. white but there's women more. Are the... There's more black kids born out of wedlock than there are whites. There's like seventy five percent out of wedlock, Ooh. and that's. That's a terrible way to start off life. That's a terrible way to, to I mean, you're already starting off on the wrong foot. You're already starting off behind the, the eight ball. I mean, I agree with the whole born out of wedlock shit. Like, I get that. And you made a point where you said that um, 
we shouldn't keep dwelling on the past and slavery and also that black people bring themselves down. There there are some black people that do bring themselves down. Like, I agree with that. But I think the reason why we can't get over the past is because it's still happening now. Like, there's still cops killing unarmed black people for no reason. Like, so I think that's why it's still an issue. Um, But I don't, I don't know. I think that you're you're always going to have things that you deal with in the world that are that are against you and certainly mm-hmm. with uh with the black culture you have to deal with things like the stigma of you know someone if if a cop pulls you over they're more likely to think that you're you know going to be pulling a gun or you know more of a threat to them mm-hmm. i think that that's a, a a thought that a lot of cops have in their mind um but to to make your whole to, to live your whole life based on something that you can't control eventually you do have to take control and say, I just got to move forward. Like this guy's going to be racist. I got to make him, his impact on my life. I have to try to minimize it as much as possible. And then I'll move forward knowing that. So if you know, going into, you know, playing a game or if you know, going into something that you have a disadvantage in one area, you have to take, you have to take that into consideration and minimize that disadvantage and increase, you know, your, your ability to exploit your advantages. Mm -hmm. So say, you know, Okay, if you know for a fact that every every cop out there is going to pursue you more because you're black, then you definitely need to stop doing illegal activities like smoking weed, you know? <laughs> like you definitely got to minimize that. Or if you're going out and you're in a group of 30 teens and walking in Central Park and they're throwing rocks at cabs and they're mugging bikers and all that stuff, you got to get out of there. You got to go before you get fingered as being one of the people that's that was there at the scene. If there's one thing, one thing that you could say that those those kids at the Central Park Five could have done better is when you're in rolling with that group of 30, 30 kids and they're throwing rocks at cabs and they're beating people up and mugging people and robbing people, you gotta get out of there. <laughs> like you gotta get out of there sooner. So I, I don't just have to live their life on the defense. I, no, but if you if you have that mentality, you I mean you were just basically saying like you know if you're black you can't do certain shit. I 100 shit. understand what you're saying. As far as making better choices, but I think the point that we're trying to make here is that you have to understand that if it was thirty group of white kids in the in the park throwing stones at people, oh boys will be boys. That's what that's what the media that that's what that's how that's going to be portrayed. That's what I meant when I said the narratives are different. So we can make all of the better choices and we can do everything, but at the end of the day. This skin color is something that I cannot take off, and that's how I am going to be. So judged. if you're 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 just so oppressed here in the United States, where millions of people, the number one immigration country in the world, people want to come here. You're so oppressed here because of the way they treat you. Why? Now this isn't like me being racist, like go back home or whatever. But like, why would you not go to the place where you are around people who are your same same skin color, and just get out and move and be like, you know what? I'm going to go to Africa or wherever that everyone looks the same as I do. So I don't have to worry about that. To be honest, if the opportunity allowed me to, I probably would. What opportunity? What's stopping you from having that opportunity? If I was able to. A couple hundred dollar plane trip? Oh. Africa is definitely not a couple hundred dollars. (laughs) (laughs) It's $2,500 to go to Africa. So, I know a couple hundred dollars. So I wish that was the case. Yeah. All right. So so if you, if you if you had the you're saying if you had the opportunity to move to Africa and go there full time you would. Mm-hmm. Does everyone else here feel that way? 
I've never lived. In, I haven't thought about visited that. in Africa, so I can't say. Yeah, that. I don't know. I mean, it's basically you're basically saying you know if you're so bad here, go back over there. Obviously, there are some advantages living in America, and you're saying yeah, there's country. Yeah, who would who if you had to choice to pick between a place where as a woman you're getting stoned to death for your uh for your um for your brothers um for your brothers or anyone any male in your family for whatever he does wrong the woman is the one that has to take the blunt for whatever for who wouldn't choose to come to america it's like you can't say just because it's like comparing shit to shit so is that is that is racism the biggest problem that you face in the world like for is, you as as a black American, do you think that that's the biggest thing holding you back? Is racism? I, my experiences are completely different than someone else's experiences, so I can't say for me right now, racism is, is my biggest thing that's holding me back. But I know that I believe it or not have experienced a privilege. So as an African American woman, to say I've experienced a privilege. How have you experienced a privilege? Um, I come from my parents are still married. So we've already talked about, like, if you are born out of wedlock or anything like that, that is a disadvantage. So that is an advantage that I have. My parents are still together. Um, My mother, I'm not a first generation college student. That's an advantage. Those are advantages, maybe not a privilege. It's a, I mean, advantage, privilege. I mean, what's the, it's an advantage, though. If you want to call it an advantage and not use the word privilege, that's fine. But I have advantages as an African-American woman. So I can't say that racism is the biggest thing that's holding me back. Do you think it's the biggest thing holding black America back? Uh, yeah, I would say so. So, and it's, not, and it's not even just racism like, oh, you're black, I don't like you. It's more so systematic. It just happens systematically. That's fine. I mean, it, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, that's just what it is like we can take even sports that's what that pisses me off you have a whole bunch of majority of african-americans especially in basketball that are working their asses off and i'm sure going to say but they're getting millions of dollars this is great for them but okay yeah that's awesome but let's talk about the people that own these these uh, let's talk about how much the coaches are getting paid or you know even if we take it down to even when players aren't getting paid we take it on a college level no, no, that's what really pisses me off. On the college level, but you have all these African Athletes don't get paid in college no matter what their race is. Great, but how many but I'm talking about I'm talking about some of the biggest um the the the, the biggest organizations that yield the most profit which are football and basketball. What are the percentage of white people in either compared to black? It's very low. Huh? It's very low. A lot less white people. That's what I'm saying. But who is profiting off of these boys that give these young men who give their their bodies, their lives, everything for this game? Who makes profit off of that? Well, everyone in the United States is, is able to profit off of it. But specifically, the, the who owners, profits off it? I'm not asking who I mean, can. You have to have generational wealth. You have to have some money. You just can't come in and say, I want to buy this team. It has to be. But something. it has to start from somewhere, right? That's it has great. to start from somewhere. And, and as, what, as black people, you're never going to give yourself the chance to say, let me be the one who starts it. This you is, know what I mean? That's great. And I'm not saying that. I'm I'm not saying that because I feel like coming into it, my children will be at a better advantage than my my grandmother's children. So, yes, we are already fucking starting it. But it's, I mean, how long is it going to take for me to get to where I need to be? 
like generational wealth. That's great. We're talking. I had these conversations with my dad and that's awesome. Like I, you know, they're already planting the seed, but this is now 2019. I can't compare it to someone that was able to start this generational wealth a hundred years ago. So we're starting it now. So you're asking like, well, when are you going to just start? Like, obviously now, you know, my brothers are in college. My sister. But where has, does it mother. start? Where does it start? It starts at home with the culture and like valuing education. Like to me, it was never a question. I had to go to college when I, when I was when I was when I graduated high school. The same. Like I have to. The same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's not that's not the way a lot of a lot of the black community they may not look to college as the way to, to come well, up. African American to... women are the highest. Um, that we have, we make up the highest percentage of graduates. So what are you talking about? I'm talking about the people. The people <laughs> African American. Who... I just said the number. This is just right there. African American women are graduating at a higher percentage than even white men. You, I'm sure you've seen. Well, you maybe not because it may not. I I think I've heard literature. that statistic before, but I I don't. It's not that I don't believe it. I you just seem to question it, but easier. I just said what I just said it. Like that's what it is. So it's like we are starting it, but it'll never be probably good enough for someone in your lens of eyes until it's I don't know until everyone's I don't know what what it'll take for you to feel like African American are moving forward and we're progressing because it kind of feels like you don't feel like we are. I feel like you could be moving forward uh, faster at a faster rate if, if How, you, what's your starting place? Maybe we should start there. Uh, what is your starting place for us? Where will we start? Let's start by having the fundamental home. I think even white people need to have the fundamental home like revamped too. Like you need to have mom and dad at home and you need to not not have these like the ideals of like not not doing drugs and you know not breaking the law. All that stuff needs to be more of a uh a centerpiece to your to your foundation of your your family life. I think but that I if think... you talk about if you talk about rolling up ten joints in a row on the radio, it, what are you what are you going to do when you you know you hear about it all the time as as a kid growing up on the radio? It's it's so normalized. You're going to at least dabble in it, see what see what it's like. And if you don't have a dad there who to to tell you like, hey, uh, you don't want to mess with the law. Like I you're, mean, you're I had a dad with, and I, I smoked weed at like. Seven, I was in the seventh grade. I think I was probably smoking. I smoked weed. Anybody of any dad. race has both parents <laughs> in the house, and they try different and imagine things. Imagine my 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 siblings that are in Dublin City Schools. The shit they're doing, they're getting into their mom's uh, Xanax. They yeah. are they are having they're a bad. good fucking time. <laughs> it's just it's a it's a different. Maybe it's not weed. Maybe it's prescription pills. Maybe it's this. But come on now, I, I had a father. A very engaged father. And I hate when people like a two-parent home because I kind of feel like, yeah, that's great. But it's really about are these are these two healthy parents? Parents Are they toxic parents? Because it doesn't matter if you have, you stick two toxic mm-hmm. motherfuckers in the house and they could be celebrating their 20th anniversary before they have you. If they're toxic, it doesn't really fucking matter. I think that. You get what I'm saying? I like, think that no matter, no matter what, if you have both parents in the home compared to only one, you as, as a child, you're going to grow up to be... A better person, unless that person's like, like, like you know, like really bad, like an alcoholic, and they're just destructive force in the home. That's going to be a problem. You need to remove that from the home. But if if you see, you know, the way that men and women interact together, you know, like that relationship, you need to, to grow and, and learn from that as a kid. If you watch that growing up, you'll be able to shape your relationships from that moving forward. It's always it's always good to see that in the home. Something that I never really had an opportunity to see, but uh, it's, it's good to see, you know, how like. 
fights happen, you know? Like, it's good to see, as a kid, it's not, you don't want to, but it's good to see, like, your parents fighting and how they resolve it and how they love each other regardless moving forward from that, you know? So you can you can see what it takes to make a stable relationship in the future. You know, I think that a lot of times you just need a role model in your life, and I feel like a lot of, I mean, the statistics prove that black people have the least amount of, like, two-parent homes and the, the least amount of you know, kids under a marriage. And I can tell you for a fact that my dad is the, the main reason why I didn't act out when I was growing up. The main reason I was afraid of what he was going to do, what how he was going to punish me, what he was going to think. All those things were all a factor. My mom couldn't care less. It was just It's just the way that I thought. And that's the way a lot of young men think. Like young men and young women, you can't raise them the same way. I think that the young men who come up, they need a role model. Because if you're a young man and you've got this testosterone coming through you and, you know, you, 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 you see little boys like the way they act. They got so much energy. They want to fight. They want to like, mm-hmm. you know, they want to have sex. They want to experience life at a, at a higher like thrill level maybe than a woman would. And if you, you know, like that, that's half of a marriage is, is the man. So if you have these kids growing up and they're having a hard time having role models growing up, you're going to, it's going to cripple your, your, your rate of ascension in your culture because half of what you have is already stunted. I, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to agree on things just because you're coming from a different perspective than we are and you, you can't put yourself in our shoes. So you don't know how we feel. Um, so I don't really know how to wrap this up. Well, here's what I'll say. If you can't, if you can't control it, I think the best thing to do is to move on from it, aware of it. This is goes anything in life, not necessarily racism or whatever. If you can't control it, be aware of it, adapt accordingly, but you still have to persevere and push on through. And I think that I think more and more blacks are are realizing that they have to, you know, push through this this welfare state. And go through with it. I think, you know, like the black unemployment rate has, has been going down steadily since the Obama administration and it's continuing to go down through the Trump administration. More more blacks are becoming employed and more blacks are, are realizing that, you know, this welfare state isn't doing it for them. You know what I mean? You can't you can't you can't get out of that. So I think it's good to uh, I think it's good to see that that growth within the black community. But I think the biggest thing that is facing them as an issue is not racism or the way that, you know, white people are treating them or anything like that. That that was more of an issue in the past. Mm. but I think the biggest issue is starting from the home and starting from when you, when you are a kid and, and your values growing up. I think that's the biggest issue. And the lack of fathers and the lack of, you know, a two parent household is definitely uh, a good starting point from that. Okay. I respect that. Thank you. All right. For your views. Definitely interesting to hear from someone that is completely opposite of, yourself yeah. so no, it's I, always interesting to hear hopefully you'll open up your mind and think a little bit you know you've caused me to want to think a little bit differently as well but hopefully you kind of see that when you are looking at black people you're looking at a subculture no i i don't want you to think that i think that all black people act a certain way and that's something that i think no black but i people... think with some of the things you were mentioning you know we don't got to delve back into it because it'll go to another 30 minutes but just some of the things you're talking about just you know it's definitely a bigger picture but thank you so much for being on the show you definitely appreciate well, i appreciate it. you guys having me letting me 
Yeah. It was a good show. <laughs> I Very feel like this show can go on forever. Forever. It's a song yeah. that never ends. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brandy, do you have anything before I do the reminders? No, just thank you. Thank yeah. you for coming on thank and sharing you. your opinions with us. I had fun. Awesome. All right, so I know the voting is over for the uh, po- the podcast award show, but you can um, still get your ticket. I think it's August 25th, I believe. Um, so you just have to go on the website and register, and the tickets are free. So that's the only reminder I have. Uh, all right, guys. Well, um Oh, our break. Yeah, let's... Yes, so we will not be recording for the rest of June. We will... We won't record again until July. Um, So, just to let y'all know, don't be hitting me up saying, <laughs> yeah. where's the show? Where's the show? Um, we just have some other things that we want to focus on, and but we'll be back. Yes, I, I may try to piece together something for you guys in the interim, but... I make no promises. (laughs) So, yes. um, We love you guys and see you in July. All right. Bye.